Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Muslim Moms Podcast with Nabiha and Warda. We are two sisters with 10 kids between us, sharing our experiences about motherhood, relationships, and striving to build happy Muslim families. Let's get cracking. Today's question is, do you like your in-laws? Loaded question there, Warda. Let's hear it. I mean, for me, it's a very simple question. My answer is yes, definitely. I, I do love my in-laws. Um, and I think it's a combination of, we don't say luck, so we'll say, you know, being blessed that I do have some, my in-laws are great people, but also hard work. <laughs> if I'm being real, you know, those type of relationships are not easy. Um, and so I'm really excited for today's topic. So let me ask you. Do you like your in-laws? <laughs> yes, I do, actually. <laughs> All right. The dynamic of in-laws, I think, um, is is tricky um, because what, what ends up happening, I think what really it boils down to, and this is what I've come to learn, um, learn, hearing different teachers talk about this relationship, I think people think in their head that it's a copy-paste of your parents. Like, you're supposed to have the same relationship with your in-laws that you do of your parents because they're your spouse's parents right <laughs> but I think if you go in expecting that and they go in expecting that this is going to be my child I'm going to treat them like my child even though I know nothing about this person meaning like you entering their family um, or very little they didn't see you grow up in the way they saw their own child you're just setting yourself up for a lot of disappointment I mean that's what I found like the expectations cannot be matched you cannot expect such high, you know, um, as a parent and child relationship. Definitely. And you're now coming into that relationship at this stage of your life versus they've seen their child grow up from such a little baby on to the kid years when they're just um, playing and, and all the dynamics that involves and then growing into teenage years and adulthood. So they have a more deeper relationship with that person. So for you to come in and think, okay, here's my mom. I'm going to just be, you know, their daughter all of a sudden, it's not going to come in the same way. It may happen yeah. in, in that there can be a good cordial relationship, but it's not going to be the same. And that's the fact. It's not. Yeah, it, it is. It's very um, important, I think, to make that differentiation, because I think a lot of times when that match doesn't happen right away, people feel awkward. They feel feel like, oh gosh, this person either doesn't like me or I don't really like this person. And and there's so much pressure, you know, that is being placed on this dynamic being perfect from the beginning. And like any other, you know, you meet a coworker for the first time, you're not going to always click right away. There might be some awkwardness, but as you spend time, build memories, work together, um, have experiences, you do grow that closeness um, and get to know that person a little bit more than you would, um, you know, someone that you just met. So it does take time, I think. And it does take some investment in trying to get to know each other as you are. Definitely. And then when people say that you're not just marrying your spouse, you're marrying their family. So true. Ooh. Like <laughs> very, very yes. true. Yes. Don't, don't think, you know, it is a family thing. Yeah. Especially if someone is very close with their parents and they have that, close knit family sense, it can be tricky to navigate if you're not fitting in right away as you would like. So you got to really see how it is. But I know in my experience, I've had some situations in which my husband actually, because just to speak a little bit about my mother-in-law, because my husband doesn't have a, his father died when he was seven years old. So 
he doesn't have um, his dad living today, but his mom did remarry later on in life. And my mother-in-law, I've gotten along with her really well over the years. And it's been 16 and a half years, I want to say. And I can't even think of any disagreements that I've had with her. Like I respect her so much. And that's kind of might be strange for people to hear because that you always see those. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. You've seen those memes of like mother-in-law, daughter-in-law and the war begins. And then the husband or the son is in the middle and there's like cartoons about it. But alhamdulillah, like things have been really good for us. And I think one of the reasons, I mean, I don't know if this is kind of funny to say, but I think distance plays a lot with that because we don't live right next door to each other or even in the same state. So it's a lot harder to be that closeness because you're seeing that person not as often as if in your situation, your in-laws live down the street. So it's going to be a different relationship. Whereas I just see them once in a while. It's not as often. Everyone's experiences are so unique and so different when it comes to that in-law relationship. And so uh, we kind of have to approach our situation with our own personality and our own circumstance. Um, And so if we just try to do what we think we're supposed to do or what the movies and media and culture, which is a big one, has taught us, this is how a daughter-in-law behaves or this is how a mother-in-law behaves. It can get it can get really, really strange, you know, and it can cause a lot of problems. Um, I know for me, what's one of the main reasons why I think I'm so close to my in-laws is because I don't live near my parents. My parents are, you know, a few hours away from me um, in a different city. And so when I moved and I got married, I actually migrated to a brand new city. I spent my entire life in a, in one place in South Florida. And now, you know, I, I moved to a new place. Um, and so I learned a lot about myself and my upbringing. Cause when you kind of step out of that environment where you're so comfortable and you're always with family and people, you, you know, when you go around to like shops and the masjid, everyone you've known since you were little, you know, it's just a beautiful dynamic. And then you go to a brand new city where you're literally kind of figuring out things on your own. Nobody really knows your name. You have to build that that relationship now. And so with that being as it is, my in-laws really put a lot of effort into um, filling that role for me, that parental role that I didn't have on that daily basis. And of course, you know, we were young. So helping us kind of figure out life and just being there for a warm meal or, you know, the the occasional drop in, see how we're doing. And it it hasn't been perfect. And I don't believe it should be perfect. I mean, has anyone had a perfect relationship with their own parents, their own parents who birthed them and raised them? No, we, we're human beings, right? We always have ups and downs and we have these differences. And so it's to be expected. There's going to be differences at play. But I don't think that means it has to be toxic or bad. Um, you know, you have to really put in the work. And then, you know, if it, if it happens, great. And if it doesn't, like you said, sometimes a little distance is not a bad thing. You know, that that can um, really benefit the relationship. And um, we do have an entire episode about boundaries. And that is something that you're struggling with establishing such boundaries with, especially our in-laws. Um, that might be a good episode to go back and re-listen. I think, Warda, one of the things that's critical is the expectations. And what you come into the relationship with and what you expect versus what an in-law would expect. Because maybe they expect every night, Sunday dinner, we're all together at a family. And that's not something that you have agreed to prior. You really have to have a conversation first with your spouse to see what is the area that we're going to allow in terms of visits, in terms of phone calls, how often, 
get a sense of where you guys want the relationship to be first and then take steps toward that because it's not always going to be perfect. Like you mentioned, sometimes there are rough roads and sometimes people take a little bit of time to get used to each other. So it is something that it's, it can be difficult to really traverse that area. But Warda, do you think culture plays a part of that? Like having different um, backgrounds, like say your husband is from a different ethnicity or even just if you're the same ethnicity, but you are grew up a different way. How much do you think that family culture plays a part in the relationship? I mean, culture really can cause a lot of friction and it also can cause a lot of um, closeness. So depending on how much that person values their culture, that will play a role, I think, no doubt. And, you know, we look at the Muslim Muslim majority countries around the world and we find that the culture really dominates in a lot of these places where it's not necessarily a religious based um, decision making. It's more of like what people will think or how somebody's supposed to dress and behave in certain circumstances. And so um, I think it's important, you know, we're here talking from a Muslim perspective, um, even though we each have our own unique culture, but from the Muslim perspective, I think we have to focus more on the values um, and the principles that our religion preaches, which is mutual respect, um, which is uh, giving everybody their due right. These type of principles can steer and guide and help you navigate towards some of those less than desirable circumstances that we find ourselves in. Um, and I think also remembering your end goal. Your end goal is truly to have a mutually beneficial relationship. Like the relationship you're trying to cultivate is not a one year, two year, five year, 10 year. I mean, right now we're doing some work on our house and we have an uncle of ours that's helping us do it. My husband's uncle. And he's been married into my husband's family for 40 plus years. Wow. Like you think about and, and him and him and my um, his mother-in-law, which is my husband's grandma, are so close. They're very close. They, they share a beautiful relationship together and they actually like live together for portions of the year. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself that this is the goal. Like, you know, you're not just in this for the short term, you're going to be with this person, you know, your in-laws or, you know, elders in the family for decades, you know, that is inshallah, these are going to be your children's grandparents. Um, there's so many ways to think about that. And so you don't want this short term, super superficial dynamic. You want to also benefit everyone from this relationship. You have a, you have a role that you can benefit and so can your children and the other family members. Um, and so that's that that helps me to kind of keep my perspective. Yeah, but it does. The relationship does change once you have children. I think looking at it from the perspective of a gr of them becoming grandparents, it's completely different. You look at them differently because yes, of the interactions yes. they have with your children. That just makes you love them more. I think it puts a different dynamic and element into that relationship that you currently had because now when I look at uh, my mother-in-law and I see her playing with my kids and I see her taking walks with them down the street when she comes to visit and they're so excited for these visits and I can even extend that to my husband's aunt who's like a second mom to him hmm. they're so passionate about this woman when she comes <laughs> they're like screaming grandma's here grandma's here so just seeing that and what that brings and not to mention she takes them out for a little so I have a little <laughs> break but yeah. That gives me such another level of respect for them and seeing them in that different through different eyes, I guess it makes it that much better for everyone involved. 
Taking it slow with this relationship is not necessarily a bad thing. When you first get married, you're trying to figure out your spouse and yourself and your new life that you're building together. And then when you add in-laws into that, it can become very overwhelming. And so one of the ways that you kind of navigate that is just taking it slow. It's okay. And it will develop. And one of the things that I have found helps to develop that closeness is building happy memories together through like little trips, vacations, outings, time when everyone has a chance to just kick it and just be relaxed and get to know each other. That does a lot for building the relationship. And you have to build these memories. They don't already exist. They already exist for your spouse and for people who know your in-laws. And But for you and them specifically, go go pick strawberries together, go to the fall festival, go to Slatul Jumat as a family, like do outings and activities that you have built up a really good reserve of happy, good memories. So when, you know, someone does say something that gets under your skin or does something that you don't agree with and, and, and you know, you're, you're a parent and you don't agree with the grandparents' decision, like these things come up, it's normal. But at least you're not nitpicking to the point where you feel depleted. You know, you have this this building of a relationship that has existed prior. That's a really great point, Warda. Because if you have those memories prior, it can really put your mind at ease when those times where things sometimes, I mean, shaitan plays with us all the time. So things will come up and then you might think things or someone said something and it comes off differently. So when those circumstances do come up, remembering the good times and oh, wow, they were really good at this particular function we went to and they they helped me out. Some beautiful memory can really play in those positive feelings and make it better. So one of the things that was interesting for me is that, you know, we're talking here about our in-laws, but what about us as in-laws, right? The cons. So like our family, um, we have four beautiful in-laws that have married into our family, alhamdulillah. And I'm sure they can probably do a whole episode on all the intricacies and, and interesting features of our family. Because we also, like when you think of your own family and the sort of the family culture you've developed over time, um, it's not that easy for them to just jump in and go, you know, go with it. They they also are trying to figure out you and your family and the fact that you might be different, you know, around your family, you know, whenever you get with people that are, you're very close close to sometimes, you, you know, you get a little bit more fun, the jokes and all that. And so, um, you know, if you have anything, you know, with our, our in-laws, it, it takes a lot of patience and understanding. And it's it's just, it goes both ways. And that's also something that's really comforting to think about that both of you have to, you know, figure out each other's family alongside each other. That's really true. I hadn't thought about that aspect of it, but it's I mean, my husband, because I got married first, he's been in our family the longest. And I know one of the things that he was so surprised by when he joined the family was just how much we talk, like just at every gathering, at every function. He just knows he has to be prepared to talk at some point during it because we love to talk. That's just our family. It's it's strange. And we love to like just have conversations. That's how we interact. That's how we connect when we meet up with his family. It's a different dynamic. And right now, you know, we just left the topic in-laws. And a lot of times that our head goes to like mother-in-law, father-in-law, right? But there's also like sister-in-law and brother-in-law. You know, those are really big roles, especially because they're your peers and they may not be your friends. They're not your sibling. Like it's just, it's such a gray zone and you're not really taught the correct way to deal with like, you know, that relationship because you don't want to overstep. But at the same time, you don't want to be too... I I lucked out that I was actually very close friends with my sister-in-law before we got married. So we had that already. But I know for many people, you know, that's not the case. They're trying to figure out that relationship as well. It can be really tricky to navigate that as well. 
But um, what about extended family? If we break it out even further, I know that's probably a large portion for other people because maybe you get along well with your in-laws, but then there's people in the extended family, like cousins and aunts and uncles. Um, I mean, I'll share what I do. And I'm sure there's so many people that have such great advice and ideas in regard to this topic. So for me personally, I have big families um, and my husband has big families. I mean, compared to the average American person. Um, and so I find that at, at some point, your your capacity to connect with everyone is going to diminish. OK, <laughs> that's just a reality. Um, and so you kind of have to start with your circle um, of your actual family. Are, am I really making the time for my parents? One thing I want to point out is that your father-in-law is your mahram, is someone that you don't, you, you're safe around as a female that you don't have to cover and that you is considered your relative, you know, your kin. Um, and so like that relationship is powerful. And then you have the in-laws, like the siblings. And then beyond that, I kind of, the way we tag team it is like, my husband has his connection with the the handful of his cousins, aunts, uncles from his end, right? And I try to make whatever connections I can um, with my cousins here that live locally and every so often, you know, far away. We all love WhatsApp for that. Um, and then we kind of leave it at that. And so if I need to have a relationship with his cousin, it might just work out. But I'm not making that great effort to like connect with his cousins because I have... 30 odd of my own cousins that I'm also trying to manage. Um, and so we just as human beings, realistically, mathematically, you're not going to be able to have a strong and, and powerful relationship with every single relative and every single extended family member. You start to realize as you get older that everyone's going to have get married and have kids. You start counting and you're like, oh, okay. That's why like when my mom would visit a cousin, you know, once in a while. And I'm like, that's your cousin. Aren't you like so close to them? But you realize as you get older, these relationships get more distant because you have your own children and grandchildren. And with that being said, I think you and your spouse kind of have to navigate and figure out. I do believe that um, geographic closeness plays a factor. If you have a cousin or so that lives locally and they have children the same age as your children. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with the two of you being closer and not necessarily having that same closeness to someone who lives 12 hours away. Yeah, it just makes sense. Because if you do live closer, you're obviously going to hang out more if you connect with that person. So you're going to have a better relationship than someone who lives in a different state. As you were saying that, I was actually thinking about my husband's cousin, who when I came into their family, when we got married, she was about 16 years old. So she was like a young girl and I've seen her grow and, and get married. She's kind of like his sister in a sense, how close they grew up. They grew up kind of like brother and sister. So that being said, the relationship between me and her has been really close throughout the years. Like I helped her plan her wedding and and I recently visited her and saw her kids. And so it's even more closer than some of my cousins that I have. So which is, it's a little odd because it's not directly my extended family, it's his, but we connect and we hang out and we talk and we text. And it's just something that it's a really nice relationship for me. I think like the rules, you know, of, of the kind of relationship is, is just relative. It's just personal and it's based on what makes sense for you. And, and just also like, you know, if you find yourself at similar events and weddings and, and having similar groups of friends, like all that is going to play in. Um, but I think the important thing is like that 
um, that circle around you, like you can't neglect them. You can't be like, oh, oh my in-laws live across the country. So that therefore I'm never going to ever engage them or talk to them um, because there is a right and responsibility um, that you should be trying to cultivate that relationship as as much as you would with your parents, um, because you you love your spouse and you respect your spouse and you want them to also feel that, you know, I find that by you making that effort and being good to their parents, it's a form of love of for your spouse, you know, ultimately, because you wouldn't have even established this relationship if you never got married. So you married them and you want to show them your love. And so by being kind to their parents, it's an extension. When my spouse is kind to my parents, it it warms my heart. It makes me feel like, wow, this person is really special and it, and it means a lot to me. One of the things I think that helps us to do this, because Honestly, you really just, you got to work on just being mature. Like if you're going to let petty comments and, you know, people will try to downgrade you in general. People will always try to cut you down. It, it happens, you know, and you cannot allow that stuff to bother you. And if you're very sensitive, it's going to be very hard and very difficult to um, get to that point where, you know, and I'm not saying let let things slide that are important to you, but in a general sense, you got to just rise above some of the the talking and and just be a mature person as well as very very forgiving and patient. I think these are the three qualities that can get any in-law relationship to the next level of being that mutually beneficial what we were um talking about. And so if someone does say or do something knowingly or unknowingly, because I'm pretty sure I've offended tons of people out there. And I pray if that happens that they can at least forgive me because, you know, we're all human beings, we make mistakes. Um, and so there's a hadith that I wanted to share. The prophet, peace be upon him, said, a man now will enter who is from the people of paradise. So like this man was a man of paradise. And as the hadith continues, they were trying to examine this man, like what so makes him special. He doesn't fast out of the ordinary. He doesn't do extra prayers out of the ordinary. Why is it that he is considered a man of paradise? And uh, upon questioning, it was revealed that the man said, I honestly can't think of anything that I do that makes me special except for one thing. And that is every night before I go to sleep, I forgive whoever has wronged, wronged me and I remove any bad feelings that I have towards anyone from my heart. And we all know that's not easy to live your life in a way you're you're fostering that forgiveness and that quality of constantly like it's okay i'm going to let it slide i'm going to forgive i'm going to not let this ruin a good relationship just like i would want someone to forgive me when i hurt or wrong them um and so that's just some food for thought there uh in regard to building up these beautiful in-law relationships that we're all working towards well speaking of forgiveness that brings up a question that i wanted to ask is have you ever gotten into any like major disagreements or interactions? And we'll extend it out to like not only in-laws, but extended family. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. Um, happens actually quite often. Um, and so I try not to. So so I'm just I'm being a little facetious. But when I say like there's major conflict and there's minor, right? So like the minor stuff is like the little things that um, I don't really like how that went down. Um, family drama and conflicts is complicated and illogical. <laughs> it's not worth your time, I think, really going that deep. Just focus on um, we focus on what communication broke down happened because for us communicating clearly and often can really solve majority of the problems 
please don't text. Texting can cause you a lot of issues because it's hard to convey that emotional um, piece through text. Things can come off as harsh or rude or short and you're not getting all that emotion um, or, or knowing whether or not it's going across the right way. So I try my best to call or talk in person whenever there's something that's unclear so that nobody has like, you know, sour feelings. But communication, communication, communication. I think that is like number one. Yeah, now thinking about it, it's true. A lot of times these disagreements, they're so petty. They're so small and minor and they're about really dumb stuff. Like things that even your children would be shocked to hear that this is what you guys are beefing about. This is what you're (laughs) arguing about. Like seriously, you're the adults. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we have to realize that it's, you can't control what other people do. What you can control is your reaction to a situation and how you proceed from there. And then I, I guess as we kind of get towards the end here, uh, there's one thing I do want to mention, and that is try your best to focus the energy that you have with your spouse. Because I find that in the effort of you trying to like spend time with your in-laws and, and, and do things to make them feel good, like you sometimes forget your spouse, you know, <laughs> or you might... Uh, overstep their rights. Um, and so that that is something that's very subtle, but it is important. Nabiha, what about the scenario um, that you marry someone whose parents are not Muslim? How does one navigate that? Because some people, you know, might find it hard uh, to establish a relationship with someone who maybe doesn't have that Muslim identity. And, you know, they might do things in their lifestyle that are difficult for you to accept. That's a really difficult one. And I personally haven't had that experience, but I know quite a few friends who have married people who are either uh, their their in-laws were not Muslim and they've had to navigate like Christmas and Easter and these holidays that come up and how they've done it has been so beautiful because they found a way to connect their children and their cousins like together and still have that closeness because the values that they share are similar. They're the same in the sense of they both believe in having respect for each other and that mutual loving of each other because that's your husband's uh, family members. So it's it's it can be done is what I'm saying, that it, it just takes, I think, a lot of talking from each end. You don't want to be putting yourself and your family in a situation where you're uncomfortable or you're doing or saying things or participating in events that just don't hit you right. And I give you an example that I know one of my friends has done is that her family, her extended family, they celebrate Christmas. They receive the Christmas gifts. Their kids enjoy it. But what they do in return is they give out Eid gifts to all their family members. So it's kind of like, yeah, we're giving you gifts, but not at your holiday. We'll give it at our holiday. So it's on their terms. It's still giving some gifts and benefit to them, like having that beautiful exchange of making the relationship better. But it's on a different way of doing it. It's something that they're okay with. They've, they've come to that understanding together. And then the last thing I do want us to touch on is what we're referring to here are just normal, everyday relationships. But if there is someone in an extremely abusive, toxic relationship with an in-law um, where they are not being treated well, um, that is something that does require intervention, um, whether it be from a spouse, a a relative, an outside party, a therapist, whatever it might be, um, there might need to be some more um, effort to navigate that because it happens. (laughs) It happens a lot of times. And sometimes women, you know, we kind of lose our identities in these relationships and it can lead down a really scary road. So um, if you are in that situation, then make sure you speak up and get the help that you need. 
wow, this conversation has so many layers to it. And I'm sure we can go more on into detail about it. But why don't we wrap up for today? And why don't you tell us, Warda, what do you have for us for what's next? So what you can do is start with one thing that you can do to enhance the in-law relationship. Um, when I'm talking about one thing, yes, I'm referring to buy nice gifts, give a card, spend some quality time, you know, <laughs> offer a helping hand to your your sister-in-law. Uh, or just send a text that goes so far. And especially with, you know, the holiday season and the time off that's coming up in the winter season. Uh, this is a great opportunity to do something. So for my what's next, I would suggest that you make a list of people in your family that you may have tensions with. And you can start slowly, try to brainstorm how you can fix those relationships. And one at a time, just go on the list and start checking them off. And if by some miracle, you don't have any issues with anyone, which is amazing, talk with your spouse and see if they have anyone that they would be on their list. And together, you all can try to mend these relationships one step at a time. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. And as always, be good to yourself. To support this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. For feedback, topic ideas, or just to continue the conversation, Email us at muslimmomspodcast at gmail.com. Assalamu alaikum.